That's that determination, that perseverance, that stick-to-itiveness that, you know, you just need that to uh, succeed in the rough-and-tumble Wild West, right? We, we think of that true grit coming from back in the cowboy days, and one of the most classic uh, cowboy stars of all time was John Wayne, and he was once in this movie called Chisholm. Don't know if you saw it, but he played this tough guy who had a talk with a man named Mr. Pepper. <laughs> And when they got to the end of the conversation, here's what Mr. Pepper said. He said, you know, there's an old saying, there's no law west of Dodge and no God west of the Pecos. Right, Mr. Chisholm? And Chisholm replies, wrong, Mr. Pepper, because no matter where people go sooner or later, there's the law. And sooner or later, they've already found that God's been there. Nobody's above the law. That's one of the most common qualities I think you find in those old west uh, sheriffs and heroes is the foundational belief that nobody is above the law. Everybody should be treated under the law. No matter how bad they were, no matter how much of a villain, they should be judged by the law. But, but we like shortcuts to that, right? Come on, officer, I was only going 15 miles over. Come on, give me a break this one time. Please, Mrs. Hollingshead, that, that was a real teacher of mine. <laughs> please, please let me have five more minutes on this assignment. Don't, don't count me late. Cut me some slack. But the big idea today is you can't escape the consequences of the truth. God's given us his truth. He's given us the law. Here's what it is. You can't escape from that. There are going to be consequences to it. And so here we are in 2 Timothy, which is Paul's very last letter. This guy has spent over 30 years of his life traveling around, sharing the gospel, going to prison for it over and over. And here he is in his last time. He's in prison. He's going to be executed by Emperor Nero, and he writes this very personal letter to his partner, his apprentice in the ministry, Timothy, and he's not complaining, and he's not lowering the standards for Timothy so that he won't have to suffer the kind of consequences that Paul did. Instead, he says, you've got to have grit. I mean, that's a paraphrase, but you, you've got to have this stick-to-itiveness, perseverance, determination to keep doing what's right, to preaching what's right, no matter what. Stand your ground. Don't give up. Don't compromise. Don't give in. How do you develop that in yourself and in others? That's what we're going to look at as you open your Bible on your lap or on your app and get to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 14. And uh, we're encouraging everybody to read this book. I mean, it's very short. It's only four chapters long. You can do it in one sitting. Uh, but we, we've learned that grit isn't something that you're born with. It's something that you've got to develop. And if you missed the first two messages, you can watch them on our website or listen to the podcast. All right, hopefully we're all there and ready to go. Verse 14, Paul writes, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. So part of the 
reason why it's so important that you have your encounter time with God, that daily devotion where you get into the Bible and read it for yourself. The reason why it's important to be a part of a church is so that you can be reminded of the truth because we are so quick to forget it. We go about our lives each day and we don't remember everything that God has said to us and so we go off track Right, which is not maybe a big deal at first, like in any journey, if you're only one one percent off track, you know, it's not a big deal until you get about a thousand miles out, and now you're really way out there, and that's what happens to us. So Paul uses some examples. He says, Look, stick to the truth, don't get involved in these other things that aren't important, that don't matter, all these stupid quarrelsome things about words. That's that's godless chatter. <laughs> You've run into godless chatter. Unfortunately, it's it's all around us. Gossip slander, petty nonsense that often shows you don't know what you're talking about or you've confused your opinion with what God says. It's just empty, foolish, fruitless kind of uh, arguments that distract us from God, uh, ruins people, makes a negative impact on our relationships with God and others. Would you agree that uh, there's plenty of godless chatter in our culture, uh, that there's... (laughs) The news is filled with godless chatter, a lot of propaganda, a lot of manipulation. In our celebrity culture and reality TV shows, and not not to mention the hot mess that social media is, right? Just a lot of godless chatter, senseless stuff that doesn't matter, that's not important, and, and that's not true. And as Christians, you know, how much godless chatter do we find in our own homes? How much in our own church? How much of it goes on in our lobbies or, or uh, in our groups? Or maybe at work in your cubicles or on your Zoom chats. You know, how much of it seeps into our conversations, these senseless quarrels about things that don't matter and aren't true. And sometimes we got to be the, the one to stand up and say, no, no more. I mean, either we walk away from it or we say, you know what, let's drop this. It, it's not helpful. That's hard to do. That takes grit. And, and other people around you may deny it. They may double down on it. But you got to stand firm, hold to the truth, stand on God's word, Don't be ashamed of it. Don't give up the high ground. Uh, They may not like it. They may not agree with it, but it's true whether they like it or agree with it or not. You just keep standing. Don't get off track. I'm going to give you a couple tips on how to develop grit in yourself and in your others from Scripture. One is to demand honor toward others. To be an honorable person who honors others. Whether you're mom or dad, you're a, a boss, you're a teacher, you're a group leader, a team leader a friend, you're a kid, whoever it is, to allow zero tolerance for dishonoring other people. We honor them by recognizing that even though we don't agree with them or we may not even like them, they're still made in God's image. And and therefore, we got to love them, even if we don't like them, because God loves us. So I honor you by not gossiping or slandering you. I, I demand honor from those I have influence with. Say that, nope, we're not going to do that. And you set the pace. You show them what honoring others looks like. Right? If your child comes home from school, you know, my, my kid would come in and, and I find out that he's been name calling some other kid. What do I say? So that's not nice. Don't do that. But the other kid was being mean. He was name calling me, being a bully, whatever. That's okay. Um, you don't have to return evil for evil. You don't get drugged down into that and, and start name calling back. And yet, how often do we find ourselves doing that even today? I mean, especially those in authority over us. How much name calling is going on against those in authority? A governor, president, former president, we're all just name calling, name calling. That doesn't do good. That doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't help anything. It just brings dishonor on ourselves because we don't know how to express ourselves 
in a, in a good, godly way. It just stirs up uh, debate and trouble in, in a way that's not going to accomplish anything. Grit demands that you take responsibility for your words and your actions. We've got to elevate the conversation, avoid godless chatter. And it's just amazing how much godless chatter we fall into and fall prey to and we pass on to others. How much fake news we pass on. How much false teaching we pass on. Because we haven't checked the source. We haven't checked to make sure that it's actually true. We say, well, I don't have time to do that kind of research. Yeah, but we got time to go on all those internet quizzes and find what color represents my personality and which celebrity I look most like. We got time for that. And, and it's just a kind of stuff that acts like gangrene in the body and affects the church. We got to cut it out, not let the church become a hotbed mess of worthless words that bring dishonor. To us, okay, we got to be different. But then Paul, he points out a couple of men uh, by name who have been spreading false teaching in verses 17 to 19. He says their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. How would you like to have your name called out in scripture like that for being a jerk? Uh, this is, these are guys who are spreading bad stuff. They've departed from the truth. They say the resurrection has already taken place. And they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. It's sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So these two guys have somehow been misleading people to make them think that the resurrection has already taken place. Not Jesus, but our own. That either it was a secret resurrection or it's a spiritual one, and no matter what, you missed it or you're just going to stay decomposing in the grave. You can imagine how that would destroy people's faith. Why be a Christian if I miss the resurrection or I'm just going to be rotten in the ground? Paul says, no, hang on. Hang on to the truth. You remember what I taught you? He, he confronted other churches that were dealing with this too. First Corinthians. Easter's coming up, right? In a couple weeks. Here's a famous passage we use at Easter time. He says to them, if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. So that's a strong example, guys, where we actually do need to speak up and speak out and stake our ground and, and, and hold tight to the truth. Because those kinds of words will destroy people's faith. We can't let those words go unchallenged to say God's people aren't going to be raised up. There is no resurrection to life. There is no heaven. None of that stuff. I mean, that's the very heart of the gospel. Resurrection to new and eternal life. So Paul goes on to illustrate that when we belong to God, we turn away from that kind of rotten, ungodly stuff. We got to believe and practice godliness so that God can use us, verses 20 and 21. In a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Now, some are for special purposes, some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do every good work. So God sets us apart as holy. We belong to him. We are set aside for special purposes. I mean, we're supposed to turn away from wickedness, from evil. God does not save you out of the world so that you can keep on living like you're in the world. We're supposed to be different from the world. 
We're supposed to be like that gold and silver in a world full of wood and clay. It's very easy to be a wood and clay Christian, but that's, that's common. That's normal. We want to be abnormal. We want to be, be used for God's sacred purposes. Understand, you are set apart to be special, to be rare, to be used for God. I mean, think of those Old Testament temple furnishings. You'd walk in there and everything was gold and silver. Everything was covered in gold. You had gold candlesticks and you had gold tables and gold utensils. Why? Because it was rare. It was special. It was only to be used for God's purposes. And that's what you and I are called to be. So we got to keep ourselves clean so God can, can use us. So it goes on here in verses 22 through 26. And now he's speaking to young people. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but must be what? Kind. Must be kind. That's a rare quality these days. Kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. Look, opponents, you're going to have opponents, but they must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the what? The truth. And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Let's face it, young people have got a hard road ahead of them. There's a lot of temptations in youth and sometimes you just got to run. There's no other way out of it than to, to get out. Right? Young adults, teenagers, sometimes you just got to get out of there because you're not strong enough. You're not wise enough to deal with it yet. I mean, it, you, can be, you can be elderly and still not be wise enough and strong enough to get out of these situations. You think you're, you think you're strong enough. You better think again. Nobody's above the law. Nobody's above this kind of temptation. It's very easy to get pulled down into it. And so many young people think that they can mess around and get away with stuff and I'm not going to have to suffer the consequences because I'm young and that's what young people do and we sow our wild oats and I'll be okay. And later on when I'm older, I'll come back to the Lord then. You better wise up because a lot of times you're not going to come back to the Lord. It happens over and over. Too many stories of that. You are not the exception. You are not bulletproof. And you may be one bad decision away from really messing up your future and your faith. Even losing your faith. Time to run, man. Time to, run. Time to grow up. Grow up right now and run to righteousness. That's what mature people do is they pursue faith and love and peace. They don't get involved in all this other kind of nonsense that other people do. And then you're going to stay out of those stupid and foolish arguments. Not going to get pulled into those. Now look, there, there are some smart arguments that you can get into. where you're, you're, It's an elevated conversation about things that really are important, things that really matter. Um, but even then, it's easy to, get, to let it degrade into nastiness. And we've got to elevate the conversation. We, we're not going to be disagreeable. We can disagree, but not be disagreeable, especially in this incredibly divided culture. We've got to be the ones setting the pace in being kind and gentle. Because why? We don't want to just win arguments. We want to win people, win people to the Lord. So how we say things can be just as important as what we're saying. We can have strong opinions. That's fine. Uh, sometimes you absolutely have to have a very strong opinion because you're standing on the word and yet even then be gracious toward those who disagree with you they are not the enemy 
The devil is the enemy. He's, he's got them in that trap. Their eyes are blinded. Their minds are clouded. Their hearts are hardened. They, they can't see it yet. So we got to gently be there and lead them back to God. Let him deal with them, their heart. Let him uh, break down their defenses and uh, open their minds and their eyes to the truth so they'll come to their senses and repent. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, so that's one tip. Honor others. Number two... To, to grow grit is to be accountable. Be accountable. Paul said that we, we pursue those godly things along with others who call out to God from a pure heart. We need others around us so that we can pursue the things of God. It's very difficult to do on your own. And again, that's why you need the fellowship of the church because who you surround yourself with determines to a great extent the kind of person you become and the kind of future you're gonna have. Surround yourself with the right kinds of people. When you disengage from the church, you disconnect yourself from one of God's main means for you maturing in your faith. You, you know, you, you're, you're confident. Oh, I'm never gonna cheat. I'll never cheat on a test. I'll never cheat on my spouse. Because you think you're above it. You're not. All it takes is one little compromise, which leads to another compromise. One lie leads to another lie, a bigger lie. Before you know it, you've done the unthinkable. You wind up in a place far from where you started because you weren't accountable to anybody. So yes, absolutely, confess your sins to God. But sometimes you might need to confess your sin to a trusted Christian brother or sister so you can get some help. Because look... When you confess it, you expose it and you rob it of its power because you bring it out into the open and, and you're, you're out of the trap and you're out of the secret shame. And when you confess it, guess what? You'll find out so many other people are struggling with the same kinds of things you are. You are not unique and we all need help. So ask your group. You're in a group, right? Ask your group to help you with this, to hold you accountable or, or a trusted Christian friend to, to give them permission to ask you on a regular basis, how are you doing with that? How are you handling that temptation? And that can help save you from destruction, from the unthinkable. All right, we've got to keep going. Paul says this in verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Not maybe, but it's certain. And we have been in the last days ever since Jesus went back into heaven. And... We are, I think, seeing it more and more, aren't we, in our lifestyles. We're seeing the slide into immorality. The godlessness is growing. The evil is becoming more brazen and militant. It's right out in the open, applauded and celebrated now. See if this description doesn't fit our time. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They're the kind that worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a what? Knowledge of the truth. Just as Janice and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They're men of depraved minds who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. But they'll not get very far because as in the case of those men, their follow, folly will be clear to everyone. Guys, I read that same passage decades ago as a teenager and said, wow, that's us. <laughs> it's my generation. Yeah. Well, it's, it's this generation too. It's every generation. 
Because the battle has always been going on. And, and what, what's shocking about this is this isn't talking about the secular culture. This is talking about within the church. Come on, player's going to play. Pagan's going to pagan. Heathen's going to heathe. But these are churches and Christians who are acting this way. And we're seeing it more and more churches beginning to, to bow to the secular culture. To, to buckle under the pressure of society, to go along with the, the immorality, to embrace it and even apologize for having ever been against it. I mean, I'm hearing this from well-known celebrity pastors out there. But you know what? We have a stubborn God who refuses to change. Uh, we may try and change and go along with the times, go with the flow, but God doesn't change. These are the phonies. These are the cons. I mean, it reminds me of the so-called seminaries today. We send off so many young people to Bible colleges and seminaries where they get corrupted in their faith, taught by false teaching professors who fill their minds with so much garbage that these students end up losing their faith, or maybe even worse, they head off to their churches and spread it there. That they're, they're frauds who are, who are posing as biblical preachers and teachers. So guys, you've got to question everything. Don't take anybody's word as gospel unless they're quoting gospel. Unless they're, they're saying, reading God's word, you better have your radar up. And are they practicing what they preach? Practicing what God says. If they're not, Paul says, don't have anything to do with them. Get out of there, run. Come on, let's face it. You know the news. Over the past couple of years, there's been so many scandals in the Christian world, in the evangelical world. So many sex scandals, financial scandals, uh, Christian leaders who, who've gotten in trouble for, for being bullies and coercing their staffs. It's just, it's disgusting, the corruption, to see the bloated salaries and the perks and the opulence so many of these guys live in. And I'm not just talking about the prosperity preachers. I'm talking about evangelical celebrities and how much money they're making off the gospel. How they're, they're, they're selling this and that in their books and their businesses and they've get, been given these platforms because of their connection to the church. So they're getting enriched off the gospel. Why? Why? Because nobody's holding them accountable. And they worm their way into homes. How they do that? Well, through TV, through the internet, through radio. They, they slip into our churches and they slide in their uh, hidden agendas and they prey upon the weak and, the, and the, the, the newbies who don't know any better. They victimize the vulnerable and the gullible with their false teachings and, and lies. And it can happen anywhere to anyone, including right here. It can happen to you. It can happen to me if we're not accountable. I mean, sometimes we got to have people around us who will call us out when we're doing wrong, when we're believing wrong, who, when, people who care about us, who will pray for us and encourage us. You know, he references Janice and Jambres. That's back in the Old Testament, the story of the two sorcerers. Now, the Bible doesn't say their names, but Jewish tradition says these are the two guys that did a, had a duel with Moses. And uh, they, they copied his miracles, but they were counterfeits. They were magic, and, and they were exposed for the frauds that they were. And God says, don't worry about the people who are fakes and frauds. They're going to get exposed. And we're seeing them getting exposed over the past couple of years, right? Uh, they're not going to get very far. So how do, you how do you fight that kind of deception? How do you do battle and duel against them? By knowing the word. Standing firm on scripture. Don't compromise. Got to keep going. Paul then contrasts himself with these guys in verses 10 
and 11. It says, you, however, Timothy, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose and faith and patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. If that sounds familiar, it's probably because you were here for our, our last series in the book of Acts. And we we're talking about Paul's missionary journey through Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Timothy himself is from Lystra. So he saw Paul got stoned to death there, or at least nearly to death for preaching Christ. But he was either resurrected or, or miraculously healed. And he says, you know my life. You know what I'm like. Verse 12. In fact, let's, let's everybody, everybody say this out loud together with me. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know that, right? Have you experienced that? You okay with that? It's, it's coming, you know that. I mean, it's already happened all around the world, all kinds of violence and killings. Christians are the most persecuted group in the world. And right here, it's beginning with a lot of discrimination, intimidation, censorship, um, regulations. They're going to find a way to shut us up, to shut us out. Going on in verse 13. While evildoers and imposters go from bad to worse, and that's not going to stop, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known what? The holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Folks, are you passing on your faith to your kids and grandkids? These young people don't stand a chance these days because they are absolutely surrounded and saturated with deceptions and lies and seduction into all kinds of godlessness. The pressure is intense. You better be preparing them to stand up against the bullies, against, against the seducers who are going to try and lead them away from God, force them to renounce all that. Are you reading scripture to them and with them? Are you teaching it to them? Are you bringing them to church? Because that's how they come to faith. That's how they get grounded by a combination of the truth and seeing you live the truth, you know, practicing what you preach. And the main thing they need to know is that there's only one way. You got to make a choice. I mean, you either got to choose Jesus or you got to reject him. There's no riding the fence on this, guys. It's either God or the world. And Jesus is the only one who is qualified to save you. Only he cared enough to die for you and rescue you from the consequences of your unwise decisions and your ungodly behavior. Because he paid the debt that you owed for your sin. He paid for it with his life because he loves you and he wants you to be with him forever in heaven. And only your choice will secure that for you. Nobody can do that for you. You're not going to drift into it. You've got to make a stand and make a choice. Am I for Christ or not? Because nobody is above the law. We're all lawbreakers and we all need a Savior. So thank God for his grace that we don't get justice. We don't get what we deserve. He, he paid the price and offers this as a gift. You can't earn it or deserve it. Unlike justice, he gives it to you freely in spite of yourself. And you're not going to hear that anywhere else out there. You're not going to hear this good news out in that bad news world. This is the only place you're going to find it. And God brought you here today and you get to hear it. You're listening. So you know the truth now. What are you going to do with it? 
Well, here's a key verse. In fact, a couple of them, verses 16 and 17. Be a couple good ones for us to read out loud together too. We all need to know this. Here we go. All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. These are not just the words of men. This is not a book that just contains the word of God. It is all from God. This is our only authority for faith and practice. The classic way of saying that is sola scriptura. The scriptures only provide us the truth about God. Not our own ideas, not traditions, not documents, not the Pope, not human reason, not personal experiences. Only this is the word of God. And that word will equip you for godliness and so that you can do every good work God puts you on this earth to do. And it's just as true and profitable now as it was when it was first written. So you can't escape the consequences of the truth. You can try. You can deceive yourself and think that you, you're, you're, you're the exception. You're going to get away with it. You're not going to pay the consequences. You cannot escape the truth. You've got to get that truth into you. Are you reading it regularly? Are you memorizing it? Is it, is it sinking in? It's one of the best things I can tell you to do is read your Bible. Because if you're not believing and doing that truth, whose are you? You're, you're, you're living on somebody's truth. And it's not my truth or your truth or the culture's truth. There's only truth. You don't get to define what truth is. So are you suffering the consequences of ignoring that? Or are you doing your best to dodge it by doing what God says? Will you repent? Will you change your mind and your direction? That's what repent means. To say, what I've been doing, where I've been going is wrong. God, what you say is true and right, and I agree with you. And I agree that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Let's pray about that together right now. Father, uh, we're praying in the name of Jesus that you will help us to make the right decision to follow you. Lord, we want to, uh, we know we're accountable to you but we need others around us. So surround us in this church and, and with, with others who have the same commitment to truth, God, so that we can do what's right and we can honor you and we can honor others. And Father, we pray for those people right now who, who have not heard the truth yet, God, that we can be the conduit for that. We can be the messengers of it. As we're leading up to Easter, Lord, we want to pray right now for people we know, our friends and our family. In fact, we're going to take a f just a few moments of silence right now. You lift up by name the uh, people that you know that need Jesus in their life. Go ahead. Lord, we're praying for just grit help us to stand strong not to go with the flow God to take our our stand on your word on what's right and true and good and never give in never compromise we pray that all in Jesus name amen all right I want I want, I want to put on the screen right now the the number that you can text text your name to this number or email us because we don't want you to leave here today without an opportunity to make the best decision of your life to follow Christ if you've never done that Go ahead and text that or email or uh, click the link if you're online. If you're here on site, go into the lobby to the point 
by the main entrance afterward, have friends there that will help you, answer your questions, pray with you, or get you ready for your own baptism into Christ, being resurrected to new and eternal life. We would love for you to take that step today. So let's stand and let's sing.